Hello and welcome to League Lore and More. We continue our lore series for Ixtal. We discussed Kiana last week and this week we'll be doing the Shard of the Monolith, which is Malphite. He is a rock golem. Uh, that is one of my favorite champions to play. He is played top, support, and mid lane. He was released all the way back in September of 2009. So one of the OGs. Uh, he is a super tank. And um, just to give a, a brief rundown of his abilities. Um, and as a massive rock golem thing uh, or monolith, he is um, he stacks armor better than anyone in the game so um he's very often picked into comps team comps that are very heavily uh ad focused that don't have a lot of uh ap damage um his passive gives him a uh shield for nine percent of his maximum health uh, and that shield lasts until it is broken, and then after a few seconds of not taking any damage, it will come back. He also has another part of his passive that makes him increase his the his overall size, like his character will grow in size, um, equal to 8% of his total armor, capped at um, a 35% increase in size if you get to 437 armor. His Q, he throws a rock through the ground at you and steals your movement speed. And I say steals because you are slowed and he is sped up. Um, his W empowers his auto attacks to deal more damage. Um, and his W has a passive that he gains bonus armor. Uh, tripled while his passive is active. So um, at max rank, the bonus armor is 30% bonus armor. So um, you're getting 30% bonus armor, and then that amount is tripled if your passive is up, which makes you insanely tanky. Uh, his E, he smashes the ground, um, and just does damage and um, uh, cripples enemy champions. And crippling is reducing their attack speed. And then his ultimate is his uh, is an iconic ability, and it's called Unstoppable Force. And Malphite dashes, um, and during his dash, he cannot be displaced. And I say dash, but he's flying through the air um, to a target location. Uh, within a range, it's not, you know, it's not global. Um, and upon arriving, he does damage and knocks anybody up for one and a half seconds. So um, he synergizes very well with champions who uh, have mechanics that proc off of knock-up abilities like Yasuo. Um, so yeah, you use ult when the enemy team groups up and they all get knocked up into the air, you deal damage to them and then your team can kind of just clean up. 
Um, yeah, so the alt there kind of is an ability that people kind of, I guess, associate with um, or like that's how they know Malphite more or less and that and just being like um, super tanky um, and um, he's not somebody who gets played an awful lot in pro play uh, he has seen a bit of a run here kind of recently uh, as an answer to s certain metas and then people will be counterpicking him or the champion but not somebody who gets played very often, and, and it's always almost top lane. There's been a few mid lane Malphite picks, but it's almost always top lane. Uh, it's typically very safe, which is why it's picked there. Uh, you can just blind pick it. Um, well, you can't necessarily just blind pick it. Like you, you can get punished by picking it, but it's something that should be relatively safe to play on the weak side in pro play. Uh, something that can kind of defend for itself and, and not really give away too many advantages. Um, but enough about the uh, champion in the game. We're going to learn about the champion outside of the game. So uh, I hope you learn something. I hope you uh, enjoy the biography and the story for Malphite. And I will... Uh, meet you on the backside to uh, give some thoughts before wrapping up for the day. So without further ado, uh, here is the story of Malphite. Caught between a rock and a hard place. Malphite, the Shard of the Monolith For more than two millennia, Shirima dominated the known world, an empire that reigned over countless peoples without challenge and without threat, until the day Akathia fell. From the moment the Void tore its way into the material realm, the armies of Shirima faced an enemy that could not only lay their grand empire low, but one that seemed to grow stronger the more they fought it. The corruption spread rapidly from Akathia's ruins, boiling over the land and beneath the oceans before its hideous tendrils reached the southernmost jungles of Ixtal. Nezuk of the Ascended Host was an Ixtali elemental mage of colossal power and almost unrivaled arrogance. He went before the Emperor, pledging to create a powerful weapon, a, a weapon powerful enough to take the fight to the void and eradicate it at the source of its original eruption. After months of inhuman labor, Nezuk revealed the Monolith, a floating fortress of living stone, maintained by the greatest elemental mages in its ramparts manned by his fellow Ixtali god warriors. The size of a city itself, the Monolith glided titanically toward the wastelands of Akathia, the lightning crackling from its magical inhibitors, fusing the sands to glass beneath it. Nezuk and his superweapon arrived at their destination to face one more, once more the howling infinite darkness of the abyssal realm and the hordes of voidborn monstrosities it had created. 
The battle dragged into weeks. It was violence of a scale and intensity never before witnessed in Runeterra. Sorcery enough to raise entire civilizations or render whole continents into naught but a memory was unleashed upon the void. The darkness retaliated in kind. Its hideous energies gouged deep wounds into the living stone of the monolith, whose surfaces became pocked and seared with unnatural malphite from the Ixtali for bad stone, in leaving mineral-like scars. The fortress was pushed to the very limits of its design, struggling to self-repair and re-knit its weakened superstructure. But even the incredible magics that held it aloft had a breaking point. As Nezuk fought to rally his ascended brethren for one last desperate charge, the unthinkable happened. Sagging for an instant, the monolith crashed down to earth, cleaving through the bedrock of Acathia and opening the void beneath to the skies. Much of the fortress was lost within that gaping maw, vanishing into the silent nothingness beyond. The rest rained down as great ruins, littering a landscape already blackened by the terrible conflict that had been cut so abruptly short. Only a single ascended survived. Nezuk hauled himself from the wreckage, choking on the ashes of what was meant to be his grandest triumph, now his greatest folly, and fled for his life. In defiance of all worldly reason, some disparate fragments of the monolith endured, still imbued with something like magical life. The far-flung shards struggled to heal, to reform the hole to which they had once belonged, but the void's endless hunger leached away at them rendering them as little more than inert shapes clawing feebly in the dust. However, against all that had been lost, a single shard remained. Buried deep beneath the surface, forgotten even by those that dwelt in the abyss, it slowly gathered in strength. It lived until at last it awakened after uncounted centuries and realized it was alone. In all the centuries since that dark day, Malphite, the last shard of the monolith, has become something of a legend in Runeterra. It has reputedly been sighted everywhere from Targon to Zaun, heard sometimes as a tectonic roar in the deepest caverns, and sometimes as a quiet voice humming to itself that it might still remember the sounds of the world it once knew. Despite the enormous span of its existence, the overwhelming drive enkindled by Nezuk's creation of the monolith was not wavered. Now, Malphite knows it must soon rise to meet the resurgent darkness it once battled, as the Void awakens to threaten all of Runeterra once more. I'm moving as fast as I can. Malphite's uh, story is called Roots of a Poisoned Tree by Graham McNeil. Dust hung in veils as Shurai followed the mechanical-limbed form of Tunnel Chief Hewlett deeper into the mineshaft, she breathed via a used Esso filter and tried not to imagine how many Zonite miners had sucked air through it over the years. Sputtering chem flares strung from timber roof beams dribbled glowing goblets onto their pitted iron helmets as they passed underneath. He you was a say on a square, gruntled Hewlett, looking over his shoulder. Was big team staken. We heard you were a good assayer, Shurai translated, but we were sorely mistaken. Seven years since she'd come to Zaun, but the miner's strange argot still took her a moment to parse. Seta or seer, we no need pilti assay, continued Hulet. She not savvy with Zonrock like when, like when we is, they has done sunk us in the first team. 
I assure you, Chief Hewlett, I have delved mines everywhere from Shurima to Zon, said Shurai. I know this rock as well as you. So you say it, gruntled, grunted Hewlett, as they entered the gallery chamber at the end of the shaft. But rock here not be lacking, you say. Dust-smeared miners sat next to chemdrills, pneuma picks, and crates of hexplosives. Every one of them ought to be attacking the rock in search of the hexite seam she'd promised Baron Grime was here. To see them idle railed against her work ethic. Hewlett lifted a chem lamp to illuminate the rock at the end of the chamber. At first, Shurai wasn't sure what she was seeing. Zonite strata was most often crushed sedimentary limestone, interspersed with pockets of metamorphic rock wrought by intense and not-so-long-ago heat and pressure. This was something else entirely. Shurai snatched the lamp and walked the length of the gallery. She pulled off her glove and ran her fingerprints over the wall. Pitted and warm to the touch, with a curious umber hue, like something she'd expect to find in her native Shurima. This makes no sense, she said. This wasn't here yesterday. I tried telling you, replied Hewlett. We drill on the yester just like when you say I come back on first balancing this. Whatever this is, the Baron isn't paying you to sit around doing nothing. Blast through it. Hewlett grinned. So we fixing to lay out explosives, yeah? Yes, agreed Shirai. I wouldn't do that if I were you. The voice boomed from all around them, a shockwave in the air, each word sounding as though it had been formed by grinding tectonic plates. The miners took to their heels, but Shirai flattened herself against the sidewall of the chamber and pulled her helmet tightly down on her head. The voice sounded like it belonged to something titanic. Cracks spread across the ceiling of the gallery. She looked up in time to see the pitted rock wall move. It shifted, grinding as it reshaped itself. Shurai watched in amazement as it formed two deep craters that looked like closed eyes, and a projecting crag that could be a nose. Dust poured from a curved and jagged chasm that looked horribly like a vast mouth. The face filled the wall before her, fully thirty feet across and twice that high. Azir's bones. If this is its head, how big is the rest of its body? The craters of, the, of its eyes opened with a grinding sound that reminded her of the time she'd seen that wandering weaver girl perform wonders on the road to Kenethet. Shurai met the gaze of the colossal face, its eyes a liquid yellow gem-like material. Quartz, she thought, not natural to this region. This rock is infested, said the voice, and Shurai pressed her hands against her ears at its deafening volume. Creatures move within it. Beautiful in their own way, but chaotic. You should not break this rock. It will end badly for you. The eyes blinked, and pebbles fell from their rocky lids. Um, are you the mountain spirit or something? She asked. The brow of the face creased with a groaning rumble. No, at least I don't think so. I think I was part of one, once. So much chaos in this world. Makes it hard to remember everything. So what are you, she asked. Ah, what indeed, it said, and the mineshaft flexed as the face sighed mournfully. A shard of a greater whole, a servant of order seeking purpose. Call me Malphite. Loose shale cascaded from cracks in the walls of the tunnel, and the timber supports groaned as they were subjected to stresses they were never built to endure. 
Sure, I didn't like the look of the split lines on the seam above her head. They were ambitious, eager to race onwards. Could you stop moving? I think you're going to collapse the cave. Oh, sorry. You said the rock was infested? Asked Shirai. With what? Things that should not be. Creatures that live only to consume. Shirai felt her heart race. Growing up in the shadow of lost Acathia, she knew of creatures that matched such a description. I know them, she said, but they only dwell in the deserts of the southern continent. Once, perhaps, but now they thread the crust of the world like the roots of a poison tree. Shirai looked uneasily at the ground. The rock face chuckled, and more shards of stone fell from the roof. Not to worry. I have them trapped within my body. I will crush these ones, but more will come. So be wary of delving too deep. The glow of the creature's eyes faded as its heavy lids closed, and the tunnel began to shake. You should go now, said the rock face. Hewlett appeared behind Shirai and took a hold of her with his chem-powered arm. We got the skedaddle, I say, he said. We linger, can't be crushing us. Shirai nodded, backing away from the gallery. I'll tell Baron Grime this scene was played out. Hewlett grinned. Maybe USA on square after all. Rock solid. So Malphite is a good guy. Um, saving or actively working against the void. And finding himself closer to Zahn. And that's where the void has taken him because it's spreading out. It's expanding its roots underneath Runeterra, uh, reaching much farther than, you know, the the great Sai'i Desert in southern Shirima. And Malphite, the last of his kind, you know, filled with magic working to stop it. Um, another relic of ancient Shirima, as we find kind of with all of these regions, something or someone champion or something that they have seems to be a relic of that lost civilization, that ancient civilization that um, ended with Azir and Zareth and will be reborn with uh, Azir's rebirth. Um, so not a whole much of a kind of reference to Ixtal here. Acathia would be kind of in that same-ish area um, when they're referring to that. And um, I'm sure that Malphite has spent a lot of time in Ixtal, but Ixtal is also meant to kind of... Uh, I, I guess from the story, it would seem like he is Shuriman as he was created by, in at that time, a Shuriman uh, god, warrior, mage. Um, but the, you know, the borders were different, like, you know, thousands of years ago. So he, it, he's also a rock, so he doesn't really have citizenship uh, anywhere, I don't think, uh, in the way that we would view it. Not that I'm being... Um, prejudiced against his state of being. I just don't think 
since he's the only one of his kind and few people actually know that he truly exists. I don't really think he belongs as a citizen to any one place, but being a magical being like this very much lends itself to the mysteries of Ixtal and what lies within it. And as we'll see with other creatures that have magical capabilities, um, unlike other people like, um, you know, Graves or something who just has a shotgun, um, who doesn't have magical capabilities. Um, so Malphite is, you know, a lot of the Shadow Isles people, you look at them and you're like, oh, that person's a bad guy. And then we read their lore and their story and it's like, oh no, they were a good guy. Malphite definitely looks like he would be a bad guy, but he's not he's a good guy fighting against the void if you think that the void is bad i mean i'm sure there's some people out there who want to be contrarian uh and be on the side of the void but um that's not a common stance um anyway i will end it there and we will continue next week with another magical being that calls Ixtal home. Hopefully we get more of a uh, view of Ixtal in that one instead of just kind of tangentially touching on it. And um, I hope you guys tune in for that and uh, I hope you enjoyed the episode and I will see you all next week. You will lose. Got it.